There is a space where you are all you need, where you are all you want. All there is is here. Welcome to the Source Connection, conversations about who we truly are, the possibilities of creation and the new earth we are birthing, with your host, Tara Long and Liz B. Welcome, everyone, to the Source Connection. We welcome, again, our very special guest, Tom Barnett, today. And we're going to talk about some more fun things. But first, before we get to that, let's tune in together and just take a few moments together to just be wherever you are, however you are. It's all good. So get comfy and relaxed however much you can in this moment. And close your eyes if it feels good. And just let your body do whatever it's doing. No need to add or subtract anything at all. And let's just feel in together to that space where there is nothing to do. Nothing to do and no one to be. Whatever that feels like for you. Connecting to your deepest sense of self. And together today, I'd like us to think of that idea that we have of working on ourselves of doing something, whatever that brings up in you, let's just drop that. Let's just drop that idea or that concept of having to work on myself. And when that falls away, what is there? What remains? What is it that's alive in you without you doing anything at all? Thank you, everyone, for taking that time out for yourself and for all beings everywhere. We appreciate it. So you can breathe naturally and move around if you need to and just come back to the space. That's a great invitation for any meditation, and you can do it for a very long time if you'd like, just dropping everything this idea of doing and just see what remains. Hmm. When you guys are ready, you can come back and join me. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks, guys. That was good. So, Tom... um, yeah, last time we had you on and, and we did the introduction, so I think we can probably skip that this time unless there's anything else you'd like to say um, about how you're arriving here today, if that feels good for you. That um, I know Liz and I were really, really curious to explore um, natural law and the principles of that, and maybe it's a good idea to start 
um, just how you came about this, what your journey was to finding this and what it means for you and why it feels important for you. Well, when I was young, I was always dubious about other people's authority, that they could tell me what to do without any real reason for it, other than threats of madness and violence upon me as a kid. So I just, it always struck me as being not quite right. And then through my teen years, I was quite rebellious and I just couldn't see why people were telling me what to do. And particularly when, as a lot of us are, that are a bit maybe born more sensitive or for whatever reason, we can kind of pick up on things and see through words, see through facades, see through personas, and then to see what where it's coming from. And it was always very obvious to me that people doing the oppressing were not coming from any place of validity. Like you could see, you could hear what they were saying, but where they were coming from was not uh, congruent with what they were saying. You know, they'd be pretending things were good and they're not, or they'd be telling you what to do and they're just doing something completely silly. And I started to think that they were kids. I started to think this is like an adult body with a kid in it. Why are they telling me what to do? And then when I got my first parking fine when I was 18 and I wasn't even around a no parking sign and I saw the thing and I'm like, it's, I think it was $50. Back then it was way cheaper than it is these days. And I was, I thought like, who made that? amount up but that doesn't make any sense what's that based on like how can you how can you justify or or like give me the reasons that that's the amount I think somebody just made that up out of thin air so then but other people seem to just see a fine and pay it as if it's it's legitimate and they should pay it and that that monetary value was relevant to something you know whereas my mind's always been like why but why is that so I questioned I've always questioned and then that line of questioning got me to start finding out about common law and natural law. And most of it, though, was just a lot of theory and a lot of people talking a big game and it having no real bearing in the real world. So I got into trouble a few times, and but never badly. You know, I've always carried myself well enough that nothing, no harm's ever come to me. So just some inconvenient moments, I guess. And it wasn't until relatively recently in the last few years that I came across equity and commerce and how that really is the way that we can apply natural law in the real world. Like, where's my little pen? Equity and commerce, you said, yeah? Equity, yeah. Equity, yeah. Cool. Definitely want to hear. Um, I um, heard a gentleman not too long ago in Canada speak, and I can't remember his name, but he was speaking about commerce and he said, it's so important to get educated on that. So you know how to navigate that world. Cause a lot of people will kind of look away. Well, that's not where I want to look into, but he was actually talking about the importance of understanding how that operates and how most of the world around us operates in that realm. So we know how to navigate it. And I'm curious, what's your take on that since you mentioned it, Tom? Yeah, so everything comes under commerce. And the Bible, the, the Old Testament is actually a book on commerce. So everything that we deal with comes in the, under the rules of commerce, so to speak, which is simply that there are two roles, a creditor and a debtor. And a creditor asks questions and directs the flow of an interaction and a debtor answers the questions and is directed in the flow of an interaction. And that's really the only two roles. And so when, if you think about how you're dealt with by the public, meaning government, police, health departments, uh, anyone in the public spectrum, it's always about them directing or them asking the questions or them giving you notices and you always get three. It's all just under the rules of commerce. So everything that applies that they do to us that we can also do to them because it's not a one-way street. It's just, it's an open forum, so to speak, in the world of commerce. So really we're just bound by a few simple rules and, and laws when it comes, well, the laws are simply love thy neighbor, love thy creator. And that just basically means just don't be an idiot and don't cause harm <laughs> and loss and do, do be a decent person. And then, um, and then that's pretty much it in the world of the private and then yeah, the commerce just regulates uh, offers and acceptance. So anytime that we are given a fine, it's an offer. We accept that by paying it or by remaining silent and ignoring it. That's still acceptance in the world of commerce. 
uh, or we can conditionally accept or fully accept. There's a number of different ways that we can go about handling any offer. But as everything is essentially an entity, so when I said be a good person, a person in legal speak or in the public is an entity. It's a non-living entity, whereas a man or a woman is living. And people is the collective of men and women. Persons is the collective of entities. So the government is an entity. The police department is an entity. The health department is an entity. Uh, you know, like the WHO is and the CDC are entities. So because a business can't tell any, anyone what to do, they can't tell another business what to do. They can only ask and or direct. And then you, there's only an acceptance if there's a form of, uh, you know, you come under the company or whatever, under the jurisdiction of the company or the, the rule of the company. And a company certainly can't tell a man or a woman, a living being, what to do. So because we are dealing in commerce, when we're given a birth certificate, it's an entity created in our name. It is corporations dealing with corporations. That's basically what it is. So there's two elements to that. One is that a corporation can't tell you what to do. They can only give offers in commerce. And therefore, we have the ability to accept, to consent on non-consent. And also, if we want to remove from that altogether, well, then the entity that we are is our name. The name is the entity. We are not our name. So we've got the world of commerce and, and corporations and entities. Our name is in that world. So if we agree to being the name, it's called joinder. It's us, the living man or woman, joins to that name and now we are acting as an entity and therefore are under commercial rule, so to speak. So the way we separate from that is just a never join to the name. So if anybody says, you know, are you Tom Barnett? I'll just say, well, I sometimes answer to that name, but I reserve all my rights, waive all benefits and privileges. Or I might say, do you have some evidence for that? Because if somebody says, am I Tom Barnett? They're not asking, am I me? They're asking, am I the name? But of course I'm not the name. So I'd say, do you have some evidence for that? If it's a claim, you know? So that's a simplified version of why commerce is important and why it's empowering because knowing that a business or a corporation can't tell us what to do, hey, you have to get a jab, you have to go over there, you have to wear a mask, you have to pay some of your money to us every year, then when we see it as an offer and not nothing that's forced, then it's, a, it's like, oh, okay, that takes some weight off. So then the, there's four ways that we can deal with an offer and two are honorable and two are dishonorable. The honorable ways, and you want to remain honorable in commerce, honorable is a full acceptance, just saying, yes, sure. And that's it, full acceptance. The second way to remain honorable is a conditional acceptance. Conditional meaning, sure, I'll do that on the condition that you can show me, A, that you have a source of authority to ask or enforce that, uh, B, that you, uh, well, whatever it is, if it's a, if it's a jab, for example, uh, show me that I'm required by law to have a medical procedure forced on me, show me where uh, the clinical trials have been done to, to, that have been independently done, uh, you know, show me that you have no knowledge whatsoever that these are known to cause harm or loss. And um, just sign this liability waiver for $20 million saying that if I did take this and I received anything, any harmful effect, that you would pay me $20 million. And so if they don't agree or answer those questions or sign, then they are refusing. So now they're in dishonor and they lose. So then there are two ways that are dishonorable in commerce. The first being that, a refusal. Hey, um, yeah, here's a jab, take that. And you go, no, I'm not taking it. That's a refusal and it's actually dishonorable in commerce. This is why we get tricked into doing things. We think we can just say a hard no or a hard yes, but those we generally, sometimes there's a place for both, but generally speaking, we want to avoid hard yeses and hard no's. So a refusal in commerce is dishonorable and so is silence. So with refusal also comes arguing, being belligerent, raising your voice, swearing, calling people names, all that kind of thing. But silence is also dishonorable because silence is actually your assent. And assent is different to consent. Consent is when we consciously agree to something. So somebody says, hey, you need to take a, a jab and you go, okay, you consciously agree to that. But if somebody says, hey, you need to take a jab and you just remain silent, just go, well, if I just don't say anything, it might go away. And uh, that silence is called assent. And an assent is an unconscious decision to agree. 
consent being a conscious decision to agree and assent being an unconscious decision to agree, but either way, it's, a, it's an acceptance. So a maxim of law is that silence is acquiescence. It means you essentially just agree. So that's why it's super important to never remain silent and to always speak our, our truth or our vo- use our voice. It's very important, just in life in general, not just commerce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, wow, that's, yeah, that's interesting. So you're saying an honorable, um, saying no honorably is saying, okay, yes, if you show me evidence that X, Y, Z. Yeah, basically, there's plenty of ways you can do that as well. As long as you're not, uh, as long as you're not remaining silent, you can never even get round to an acceptance of any kind. So if you said, "Hey, you, uh, why aren't you wearing a mask?" and I said, "Oh, good afternoon. Well, you know, um, how can I help you?" You know, and you just say, "Oh, well, you're not wearing a mask," and, it's, and I'll never answer the question, and I'll never, uh, I'll never um, uh, accept or conditionally accept either. I'll just say, hey, listen, I can't wear a mask. Yeah, thanks for asking. No, no, you need to give me your name. I say, really, what law compels me to give me my name right now? You know, it's just like constantly asking questions back because a creditor asks questions and directs a flow of conversation and a debtor mm-hmm. answers questions and is directed in a flow of conversation. Mm-hmm. So essentially what happens most of the time is as long as we're asking questions and just saying, show me where you have authority to do that, uh, where am I bound by law to do that? Am I not within my rights to do this or that? You're simply just asking questions. And as long as there is no silence or refusal, then we're in honor. We actually don't have to go into, okay, I'll put on a mask if you can do this. That's uh, It's a different, it, it might be confusing to people first coming across it, but there are places where you would conditionally accept, there are places where you wouldn't, despite it being honorable at any time. It's just what situation are you dealing with and uh, what is the best tool for the job currently at hand. Yeah. It's yeah. It, it, I think it takes some time to be exposed to all of these, the language and everything. So it does because it's it's literally, I always use the analogy of it being like a martial art because it's, it's one of those things where you can't just go and do a few lessons in jujitsu or something. And then you just can use it, you know, Yeah. (laughs) because even if you learn a move, well, what happens if that move, somebody slips out of it, now they're in a different position. You're like, well, the only move I had is that. Now what do I do? So when people just go, oh, all I have to do is say, do you have some evidence for that? It's like, that's a good thing to say. But if you don't know how to hold position on that, you don't know what to say if they give you something back you weren't expecting. Well, that's why it takes time. It takes time in jiu-jitsu to learn the moves, the counters, the counters to the counters, how to stay safe, how to, how to have control takes a long time to do that, not just a few lessons. Mm -hmm. And likewise, what we're doing with this form of communication, which is almost like a different language for most people, it's learning how to move around within that framework. Like learning, I don't know, German or something. Like it's fine to learn how to say hello, thank you, please, goodbye. But then what if there's something else in there? You don't have the vocabulary for it or you don't know what they're saying. So then it becomes difficult. You just go, oh, I don't know what to say or I don't know what to do because you don't know the language. So that's why it does take some time to be able to get familiar with the way that we communicate because the way we learn to speak and communicate as we're growing up, we grow up technically speaking in the private, the private being the world of the living and it's not commerce. It's just the world of the living, friends and family, brothers and sisters and so if we answer questions, it's fine. If we, if we say I'm Tom Barnett, it's fine. If we agree to being a name or, or uh, whatever, making claims, it's all fine because we're not in commerce and we're raised to be polite, most of us, with manners. So if somebody speaks to you, you answer them. And if, it, if the conversation goes from A to B to C to D, we follow that. But in commerce, it's, it's different. We don't want to answer questions. We don't want to agree to being a name. We don't want to make claims because if we make claims, we have to back it up with evidence. And also, if we are in an interaction, we need to establish a position. And once we establish a position, let's call it A, if somebody's trying to take us from B to C to D like a conversation, we don't do that. We have to stay at A where we started. Otherwise, we are being directed around. So it's a completely different way of communicating. And for most people, you know, the first time somebody asks you a question, you're like, oh, uh, and you just give the answer because it's just, it's innate. It just comes out. So it has to be a subtle unlearning of the conditioning that we've received as we've grown up 
and to learn to communicate more effectively in commerce, which actually annoys the bejesus out of people if it's you do that in the private with your family and friends. It's a completely <laughs> different way of communicating, right? So you generally yeah. don't communicate with your partner the way you would communicate in commerce. Yeah, it really feels like when you're talking about that A position, that there is a foundation that we start with that is an embodiment of knowing who and what we really are. And then everything comes from that. So it's really unlearning what we think we are and then remembering and then putting it into like practical language. So for people who maybe aren't, uh, maybe this is their first time hearing about this. What, where do we, where do we start and what are the basic and your view? What is, what are the basic principles of like, okay, this is what we embody. And then from that comes everything else. Yeah, I speak about that a lot, which is it all comes from who we are. The whole purpose of commerce and learning your rights is not to just be like a lawyer, so to speak. <laughs> it's to come from the place of power that we innately are, which most of us haven't remembered or tapped into. We're, we're taught that we're taught all sorts of things about the world that are completely false, that's a big storybook and that everything that we actually are is flipped. So it's all inverted. So everything that's in storybooks, like we have magical powers and there's all these other great places and it's all, that's all, um, that's all put out as a story. Like it's all make-believe and then we're given the fake world. It's like it's an inversion, but the fake world is the make-believe world and all this stuff that we're told is all just in fantasy is actually more or less the reality of what we are and what the capacities and capabilities that we have. So a lot of it is about not learning new skills, but just shedding these layers of uh, false skin that have been, that we've been cloaked with and it weighs us down. So as we shed those, you know, oh, well, the world's not actually like that and I actually don't have to do that. And this is, and, and, and you just keep shedding the layers, you become lighter and lighter and, and you get back more into your power. The more you tap back into nature and the natural way of things, the more your power will, will resonate. And then as you speak, then the words carry that resonance and they carry, they speak. They don't say it in the exact words, but they say, I know who I am mm. by the way that you speak. And then that is heard by everything, not just the listener, but that's heard by the whole earth, you know. So that's really what it is about. It's about getting back to that. First and foremost, it's really about personal development, getting back to your essential nature, and from there, the rest is just navigating commerce. This reminds me of the thing that I read that struck the biggest with me in this path of common natural law, which was um, in commerce, which was consent is presumed unless denied. And that's when it clicked for me, like, oh, so here we are navigating this world thinking that, okay, well, I don't want to partake. Like you said, you stay silent or you do things a certain way, but I needed to be vocal about where I stood. And I think that, again, touching into the embodiment, that's a knowing of who you are that's so potent that just exudes that. And then, as you said, also for me, creates this communication beyond the listener and the speaker and it goes into other realms and it feels it almost feels Tara and I talk about it like sometimes who are they talking to because it just seems it's a different world that's not for my ears to hear and vice versa so I felt that through the studying of this I've come to again remember as you were saying more of who I am Therefore, signaling to others of who they are also, because I feel like we get caught in the, you know, the war of, the, the, of words. But in, again, in this matter, I wanted to touch in and that's I'm bringing this to the question. I know that there's a lot of like meaning of the word, words and legalese and the way that certain things are said and the way words are used that, again, trick us into believing, yeah, I'm doing this. When the car means something else or property or all these little details that were not thought. And it's so important to also comprehend and understand. Yeah, absolutely. What was the, how did you describe consent? What was the wording you used? What do you mean? Oh, you just said how, how important consent is. 
And you, you used a phrase that sounded really good. Um, she said, consent is presumed unless denied. Is that and it? Presumed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah. And then this corporate like relationship, like we're being, you know, tagged or dealt with as a corporation. And then therefore we are entering into business with another corporation. And unless you're able to not consent, then it's just presumed that you are consenting to something. Exactly. Yeah, that's how it works. And consent, by the way, is actually the underpinning of everything. There's a case law, which is Cruden versus Neal, 1796, which is American case law, but applies everywhere that's Commonwealth. It says that man is not bound by man-made laws without his consent. He's only bound by nature's laws, which mm -hmm. is essentially natural law making its way into uh, man-made acts and whatever. And then there's the Nuremberg Code 1947, which essentially says that my consent is absolutely essential. So consent being the underpinning to all things. And that's why it's important to speak. So while this is in the realm of commerce, it's actually, it, it's actually paralleling just natural law because natural law meaning coming from nature, coming from a higher source. Because if we don't speak up, if we don't speak to the world like who we are, you know, the, I'm, I'm here, you know, I, this is me, I'm, I'm here and I'm ready then we're not really given the opportunities that might otherwise come our way. We need to be able to assert, not in a domineering way, but we need to assert to ourselves first and foremost that we are here and we are whatever else after that. So consent is a form because otherwise if we don't say, if we don't speak, if it's not known to us what our direction is in life, we'll just be taken around in the breeze always. And that's where the element of consent comes from from a natural point of view. Mm. This conversation is so rich. Mm. Yeah, I want a few things. I want I want to get to some examples if you if you have them, um, Tom. But also, we've touched a lot on nature's laws, and I would love us to just speak those out. I know we have already, but just to so what to you? What are nature's laws? So from well, there's many, but. Yeah. Uh, the first is just to do no harm, essentially. So do no harm just means, you know, you don't need to take from another. You don't need to steal less stuff or you don't need to be greedy. You don't need to, because when you are aligned and you do trust in nature and the, your virtue of being here, you know you're provided for. So you don't need to go out of your way to take more than needed or to take from another in order to um, survive yourself. Because by virtue of being here, you are given that birthright of being uh, provided for, essentially. So natural law or nature's laws essentially start there. And then it comes down to many individual aspects, such as are you following natural sleep-wake cycles? Are you trying to burn the candle at both ends? That does, that's not allowed by nature. There are consequences to that. Um, are you, uh, you know, giving yourself adequate time in nature? Because if not, your body will not function as well and your mind. You know, are you feeding yourself clean sources of food and water, for example? Uh, if not, there are consequences to that. So essentially it comes down to thoughts, actions, consequences is how natural law flows through us. So are we, what are we exhibiting? What kind of behaviour are we exhibiting? Is it in balance? Is it coming from a place of balance? And if not, the further out of balance we're coming from, the more extreme the circumstances or the um, symptoms, so to speak, will be. And that's why people find themselves with things like uh, degenerative disease and uh, excessive levels of depression and um, anything that's like a dis-ease. Any, any form of dis-ease is caused from, that is the symptom of an unbalanced centre. And where, how far out of balance are we coming from that's determining the disease that we experience. So that's how nature's law also works through us as an individual, how we experience the world. How much hate do we have for somebody like Bill Gates? That's how far we're out of balance in here. So what are we experiencing? Our experience of the world, the external world, is simply the experience that we're having in here. So then that's another one of nature's laws is the uh, internal reflecting the external and teaching us where we are out of balance. Pain or discomfort or dis-ease or unfortunate circumstances are simply teachers and for us, for us. So that's, again, another nature, one of nature's laws. 
And that's why I remember when we last spoke, you said the principles of natural law and health are the same. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, because we are nature. <laughs> yeah. We can't, get it, we can't get away from that, right? We are nature. Yeah. And so the further we get away from that with trying to create transhumanism or trying to create thousands of genders or trying to create, uh, you know, like the you know, hormone therapy and all these other uh, medicines, scientific medicine, the further we are taken away from our nature and our nature is what we are. Why would we want to not be what we are? Oh, it's better over there. Well, what if I have a robotic arm and what if I have this and what if I can live forever? Like this idea of immortality that's a separate form of the immortality that we actually innately have. So if we take ourselves out of that, that actually comes from the Bible too, which actually, which actually says there's a, forget the verse or whatever, but it says that we're not supposed to serve. Well, rephrase that. We can only serve one master. We're only supposed to serve the creator, whatever creator means to you. We're only supposed to serve the creator. Man was never supposed to create earthly kings or gods. So as soon as we moved our attention away from creation itself and we actually moved it towards earthly kings and we worshipped them and worshipped government, well, we actually separated them from, that. we separated then, not them, then from the source. And the source that provides all things, that it does make us immortal and does make us all these things that people go chasing through man-made things, the more we chase that, the more we are taken out of our nature and the less, the, the more out of balance and out of uh, harmony will be where we'll continually chase something that already we have by virtue of being here. But it's a never-ending chasing the tail on more power, more money, more, more this, more that, you know, m- more beauty, more, uh, more youth, more everything. Trying to chase it, it's like an endless thing that you'll never reach. Yeah. But if you just stop chasing these uh, false kings so to speak and we just got back to serving only the one master well then everything's taken care of and it's like right there where we are it's not this thing that we have to chase with money power and um and standards of success so to speak yeah it's like uh wanting to physicalize this eternal nature that we have right this mm-hmm. obsession this we're con- so many of us come in and then we we're convinced we're this thing and then we're like we oh we have to uh, that has to last forever because otherwise if we die then we're done and that's it you know so it's uh, like we always say you know it's just, it's getting back to this knowing that that's not that's not it that's not us it's just a beautiful embodied experience we're having in this moment but um so i'd love to to hear some examples of how this has um, played out in the world for you or others that you know, not, not an, um, I mean, if there's confrontation, that's fine too, whatever feels relevant to share. Yeah, sure. As in examples from the current climate or just in general, what's the. Anything. I mean, any, anything, anything that you feel you know, yeah, feel okay. good to share so, anything that's coming. We'll start you. with we'll start with the typical stuff like getting parking fines, speeding fines. <laughs> okay, yeah, great. So all of those are offers in commerce, and there's plenty of people if you start learning more about this who have discharged liabilities. So in the world of the public, it's all fiction. The world of the private, which is us in the living, it's substance. So in the substance, we have laws, which is love thy neighbor, love thy creator. In the public, we have statutes. And in the United States, there's more than 23 million statutes. In Australia, there's more than 7 million statutes. Wow. And so you're never going to learn all of those. They're all just fictional entity r- regulations. They're not laws. Laws only exist when there's harm or loss caused. And that's in the private. That's in substance. So the fictional world is what we're drawn into. So anything like taxes, fines, all that sort of stuff, it's all in the fiction. So because it's not real, you can never pay it. You can't pay a liability for a debt because there's no money. Money is gold and silver coin, and that was taken out of circulation many years ago. So it's replaced with currency and legal tender, which is fiction. So you can't pay a debt in the fiction with real money, for example, or with real sweat equity in the private. There's mirror image worlds. They, they seem the same, but they're completely different. One's living and has substance. The other is fictional and is non-living. So everything with regards to fines and taxes and all of that paraphernalia, 
it's all fictional. So we don't have to do anything with it other than discharge it. Discharge meaning to move to a future date, which essentially means that it goes away. So there's many, many examples of people discharging uh, various forms of liabilities for debts. Debt we can't have in the fictional world. We can only have a liability for a debt because a debt means that money is involved, meaning that substance is involved, which means in the private, but that's not what that realm operates in. So we can discharge. We either discharge by asking for proof of claim, just show me where I technically owe you that or that there's a ledger or that there's a source of authority to issue that. Or you can discharge it with your own financial instruments, which is something else, but essentially it just means discharging, getting it to go away. So plenty of people have done that over time. Then with regards to what we're seeing currently, which is mostly uh, masks, QR codes, PCRs and quarantines. So people are having various levels of success with regards to what we're seeing at the moment. And then there'll be the vaccination as well, the jabs. And so what it means is that currently plenty of people are getting around just fine without QR coding or wearing a mask. There's also plenty of people who have um, opted out of needing to quarantine in various parts of the world. Australia is actually one of the more difficult places to do that and only like less than a handful of people have succeeded in that. And then there's the PCR testing, which uh, there's a bit more success in that. But then again, it's like people need to know how to really hold their position with that and to really ask the right questions. But it's all doable because when you break it down to being offers in the world of commerce and then you can conditionally accept that, and that's where this is conditional acceptance is the most uh, valuable way to engage because we can't refuse it. It's dishonorable. We can't say, I'm not getting a test. So by virtue of there being an offer on the table, there must also be, in order to form an agreement, there must also be several elements to form an agreement or a contract. There must be a meeting of the minds, which essentially means it's like, you know, it's, it's all not quite discussed, but it's all laid out. Yeah. There has to be, uh, well, there's a, there's a lot of things that there has to be, but it's basically it has to be a fair agreement. Nothing can just be forced on you, right? So then what happens is if you say, well, look, the thing is I can't take that test because this old thing here on the front of my face, nothing can go up there because of past trauma or injuries. So what you're going to need to do is if I'm required to take a test, which has to go through the correct channels, which I'm going to question you on, I'm going to need to be provided an alternative means by which I can be appraised for my health, for example. Now, if they don't provide that, then you would turn it around on them and say, what are you refusing? Are you refusing to provide me an alternative means of testing? Remembering that a refusal is dishonorable. So if they turn around and start refusing, well, then now they're the ones that will have to abandon their claim. There are many, there's many other aspects to that, but that's just one. That's how conditional acceptance can turn around that, that form of interaction and therefore there's no agreement. Agreements are formed when we verbally agree, when we sign or when we pay something. So an offer is given and we just pay it. We've agreed. Uh, if, a, if an offer is given and we sign for it, we've agreed. If an offer is given and we just say, yep, no worries, we've agreed. So verbal, written or by paying. They're the ways we can, we can form an agreement or a contract. Difference between an agreement and a contract is simply consideration, which is some form of payment. So an agreement and a contract are essentially the same thing as far as how they're written or what's in it. But when there's payment involved, it becomes a contract. Without the payment, it's only an agreement. Mm. So there's agreements offered all the time, all the time. And so it's up to us how we navigate accepting or or negotiating for example if somebody says to you well here's an offer you can always negotiate right Mm -hmm. that's that's a form of conditional acceptance is negotiating so there's been plenty of ways in which we've negotiated things before which has turned around an offer and made it more beneficial to us so an example of that being um oh jesus heaps so (laughs) An example of that being given a, um, a bill of some kind for, let's say, $5,000. And the, the bill will say that the sum, I don't want to overcomplicate that. Basically, our country might be a bit different to yours. I don't want to get too much into some payable, some certain, because there might be differences. But essentially what happens is when it's given to you, because it never says non-negotiable on it, if it's not 
included, it's, it's excluded. If it's not excluded, it can be included. So that means if it doesn't say that it's non-negotiable, then you know how you were saying before about assumptions and consent and if it's not denied and all that? Well, then you can assume then, and very rightfully, that it is negotiable. If it doesn't say that it's non-negotiable. So we can then create our own notice in return and then negotiate on, you can say, well, I'm not happy with that, but this is what I will pay. And so you can use a lesser amount to discharge a greater amount, which is why some people are sent in a check for $200 to discharge a $5,000 liability for a debt. Because the minimum, the smaller amount can discharge the greater amount. And especially when it's, for, when it's put forward with an offer in a notice that says, this is a, um, yeah, anyway, there's, there's more to it than that. Like we'd need much longer than even an hour to go into sure? yeah. workings of that. But essentially that's all backed by the way that our world works in commerce. And because the reason being, let me explain that to people, how could that work? How could $200 discharge $5,000? Well, it's because funnily enough, the law when it comes to equity is actually there to support us. A lot of the times we think of laws as being oppressive, but you think of the types of shenanigans that people get up to and you just go, how can governments get away with that? How can a politician or a banker or a lawyer get away with that? That's ridiculous. But they're actually just playing by the rules and those same rules apply to us. That's why you've ever heard of a company of somebody buying an entire company like an airline for a dollar? You ever heard of that? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, it's actually well known. Like there's plenty of massive multi-million dollar companies that have been bought for a dollar because a dollar is all that is needed to support a simple contract. Mm, and I have heard that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And like airlines have been bought for a dollar. Shipping companies have been bought for a dollar. And funnily enough, the Simpsons, which actually pretty much details exactly the inner workings of the world. There was a time where Bart, the kid, he bought a whole factory for a dollar. <laughs> and so they show that in TV and cartoons and people go, well, that's just a cartoon. But they're actually showing because it's run. That's made by Freemasons, the Simpsons. So they actually show how the world works through the cartoon and through humor where so that people then just assume it's not real. But they actually do show a lot of how commerce works in various cartoons and films. So uh, point being equity was brought in when common law was not giving the average man on the street his remedy because it costs money to run a trial. And if there's no case law precedent to support whatever's going on for him or her, then he can't get a remedy. So then equity was brought in and equity just simply says what is fair, what is just and what is equitable. So people twist and distort that. However, what it means is that if you're a pauper and you've got a fine for $10,000 and you can never possibly pay it, but you've got two coffee beans in your pocket and you say, look, I understand that perhaps I'd have a debt to pay here, but I absolutely can't pay $10,000. I mean, I'm never going to have that in my lifetime, but what I have here in my pocket is two coffee beans and I'd like to offer that. I'd like to offer that in good faith. In good faith, I'd like to offer my two coffee beans that I have. Now, if the other receiving party refuses that, they're in dishonor because mm -hmm. it's up to them to take into account somebody's equitable circumstances. Like we're never going to get 10 grand out of this guy. And in good faith, he is giving us an offer. He's trying to meet us. So therefore, it's actually in our best interest to accept and, and make it honorable, not refuse and make it dishonorable. So that's where equity works in our favor. And while that might sound like an extreme example, that's actually happened in court where somebody's emptied coffee beans out of their pocket and the judge says to the other party, well, you want to take that or not? And the other party's just like, geez, I suppose, <laughs> okay. And then bang, there goes a the debt, you know. So yeah. these, are, these aren't just like fanciful um, right. coffee. Yeah. This is actual examples of what goes on uh, in the world. So equity is there to support us and a lot of the time, even though courts are Masonic temples and they're corrupt and the police are corrupt and the government's corrupt, the law itself is actually based more or less on very fair principles. Interesting. Can we trace back to The Simpsons? I just... <laughs> so, because <laughs> that's always a fun thing, right? Um, you spoke about how oftentimes there will be a lot of truth in the cartoons and how they kind of lay out the, uh, the inner workings of the world and all that. Um, what do you think about the things that have been quote unquote predicted by like people will look back and go like, Oh my God, look, they, they, they did that. And it actually happened. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So they do put a lot of their predictive programming and 
their offers. So it is when they put out, this comes back to natural law. So the ones that are the entities that run the world, whether they're human, non-human, whatever, doesn't really matter. Everybody still has to, in this plane on earth, we need to follow natural law, even if we're the, the um, puppet masters. So if we want to make the world do a certain thing, we can't force it and we can't just like, you know, hide things. We have to follow natural law because we, not being high up as, the, as a creator of sorts or whatever, we as something below that are also bound by nature's laws. So we have to follow them to a degree. We can do evil things, but if we've given people the offer and then they've consented, technically, even if we're doing something nasty like rolling out a mass vaccination program, well, we've followed natural principle because we've made the offer. It's like somebody going, Tom, do you want to punch in the nose? And I'm like, uh, well, that's just it. You know, and I don't really handle it. And somebody just goes, whack. And I just go, oh, what did you do that for? And they say, well, I offered. You didn't say you didn't want <laughs> That's kind of, I mean, they're, they're causing harm. But at the same time, there was an element of consent. So while I don't believe that they're actually fully in honour with natural law, uh, there's an element where they're not way out of balance with natural law. There's still some consequences I feel to that, but I consented to it. I didn't give my non-consent to it. So when they say, you know, like this is what can happen, we can lock the whole world down, we may disrupt food chains, um, it's showing that money's based on nothing, it's showing that there's going to be a Zika virus, you know, which they, they did in The Simpsons as well, yeah. like showing how there's a boardroom under, underground. <laughs> Uh, determining how we're going to get this next pandemic out so we can we can run like you know run people's minds and lock people down and and then showing that you actually have to be vaccinated with something to get a virus in your body and showing all this they mm -hmm. show it because it's actually showing people and then they don't have to tell us what the rules are or that hey guys hey a uh, disclaimer this is a cartoon but it's what's really happening just to let you guys know that <laughs> they're showing us and by way of us just seeing it and just going passing it off, that's tacit consent. So it's like, it's not that they've come up to you and said, hey, Liz, Tara, do you consent to this? They don't have to do that. They just put it out. And if we've seen it and we don't give our non-consent, well, it's assumed that we have consented essentially. So there's an element of natural law that they are following because they know that they're bound by that as well. And so, yeah, that's why in The Simpsons they've predicted many things like the, like Trump being president or whatever, the fact that aliens, are, yeah, the, the alien stuff, the uh, the virus stuff. What? So the much. Way that, yeah. yeah, so many things. So many things are, are put in there. And it's like predicted, but all they're doing is they're saying in 2020 we're going to roll this out. It's been planned mm -hmm. for like hundreds of years and that's when we're going to roll it out and that's what they put in. They just go, this is what's going to happen. Aliens are going to do this. This guy's going to be president. That's going to happen when this goes down this virus is going to be out there to lock down the world and and uh, make people afraid of something that's in their home like, like house cat flu that they invent it's like <laughs> yeah uh yeah so i have a, a question around and this could just be semantics but what i say i do not consent like say i were to go on an airplane and i'm going coming to australia and they're like okay well you can't enter without a pcr test or whatever and I say, I do not consent to that because it's a corporation and you have no rights over my body or anything about me because I'm in the land of the living and you're in the land of the dead sort of thing. I do not consent. Is that still considered because you're saying you can't refuse it? You have to put it back and get them to refuse it. But just by virtue of me saying, I do not consent, even though I don't, I don't have to have a reason for that. It just is, it's a no. So what I, I'm, I guess I'm a little bit confused. Is that still considered yeah. a refusal or? That's a really good question. It'll be taken as a refusal. Yeah. So if you say, I don't consent to that, they'll say, what are you refusing to take the test? That's exactly what they'll say. Mm -hmm. So the element of consent can be verbal, but most of what it is, it's an inner state. The non-consent is more of an inner state and you would need to handle that more, uh, you, you, with more you, finesse you country, yeah yeah you can't just say i don't consent to that because they'll say well you don't have to consent to that but see you later there's a flight home you're not coming into the country Got it. so you would need to conditionally accept that and and have it you'd need to do it in various other ways so you also would need to learn maybe a little bit about the regulations of the country that you're going into so what would happen is that you don't fly into australia so to speak you fly into one of the states you fly into victoria queensland or new south wales or western australia generally speaking, for an international airport. 
And so you're flying into the state. The state has its own regulations. But federal regulations, which is the countrywide regulations, override state regulations. And in relation to anything to do with testing, quarantine or injections, that all comes under, in Australia, the 2015 Biosecurity Act. Now, acts actually only regulate corporations, but still, for the time being, we'll put that to one side. And it states that you, you can only be tested when you have symptoms. And it has to come from a qualified biosecurity control officer. And to be quarantined, tested, or vac- I think it's mostly vaccinated, it has to be coming from a judge. Judge has to rule that through a biosecurity control order. So what they're doing, technically on the state level, it's already overridden by the federal because there's no federal rule that says you have to do any of those things. So they're already in the wrong. And they're personating officers because there's no biosecurity control order on you to have to be tested or quarantine or get a jab. So that means that that's, in, that's a federal offence, which means it's jailable. Those, the ones doing this to people can actually go to jail for that. So what you would need to do is, is pull them up on their authority to get you to PCR test in the first place. And the other way you can handle it is, like I say, you can't be forced into doing only one thing. You'd say, sure, I'll take a test, no problem. I'm just going to need to know uh, that I'm bound by law to take the test because as far as I'm aware, I have to be showing symptoms and you have to, I have to have a biosecurity control order on me. So if you're not one of those officers that can do that, would you not be personating? You know, aren't you, are you within your bounded jurisdiction? Are you going to claim that for me right now, yes or no, so that if you're lying to me, I can hold you liable? Or are you going to just let me through now because technically you're doing something you're not supposed to? And then, or you can just say, if I'm required to take a test because it is deemed that I'm giving symptoms and under, you know, under the law, I do actually have to be tested. Well, nothing can go up my nose, but I'll do a spit test or I'll take a blood test. But they're not going to do that because they're not set up to do it. So therefore, they'll have to abandon a claim. If they try to tell you that you have to turn around and fly out of the country, we say, well, I've offered to take a test. Are you refusing? That doesn't sound like the right thing to do. So you use questions to pin them down and get them to incriminate themselves as opposed to you making the claim. So you would never say to somebody, I'm a living being and I have rights and I have this and you can't do that. That's all making claims. We make them say it. They have to agree that we're living and have rights or they have to incriminate themselves by saying, yeah, that is the law or you have to do that. And then that can be then you can take them to court, for example. So it's all about setting others up to incriminate themselves. And that's what a creditor does. They ask questions and they direct the flow of the interaction. We never make claims. That comes from the Bible. The truth can only be told out of the mouths of two or more people. So Mm. us as individuals can never tell the truth. We need to set up a second witness, which is asking somebody else, do we have agreement that I'm a man or a woman if we're a woman? And then we need them to corroborate that we are a man or a woman, not us. We can't walk around saying, I'm a living man and I have rights and you can't do this and you can't do that. That's babble. That that means nothing in commerce. You're actually dishonourable by saying that, believe it or not, Mm. because you're trying to claim truth and you can't tell the truth out of one mouth. You also can't say that and make a claim without evidence. Whoever makes the claim bears burden of proof. So without the proof, how are you going to prove that? Well, look at me, I'm alive, I'm living, but that's not proof. There's, uh, there's no, it's just, it has to be something in evidence written, for example, which you can have. It's called a certificate of live birth, which you can chase up, which instead of your birth certificate, it's the document that gives rise to the birth certificate. And it's called the certificate of live birth. It says it's the newborn, stillborn or living. And by virtue of not being stillborn, it'll be circled living. That's your written proof that you're a living being before the birth certificate is created, which is the entity. So you can actually get that from births, deaths and marriages in your country. Huh. Interesting. It's a handy document to have, yeah. But essentially you need somebody else to corroborate that you're living. Uh, but just so I may as well finish this because otherwise that might confuse people. If I say to somebody, do we have agreement that I'm, I'm a man and by virtue of being a man I'm, I'm alive, but we don't use the word living usually. So I'd say, do we have agreement that I'm a man? And they'll go, what are you talking about? And I'll say, that's not the answer to my question. Do we have agreement that I'm a man, right? It's only yes or no. It's either you're going to say, no, I'm not, or yes, I am. So if they say, what, is he, what are you talking about? I'll say, that's not the answer to my question. For the second time, we only have to ask people three times in commerce. For the second time, do we have agreement that I'm a man? And they'll go, I don't have to answer that kind of 
stuff? What are you talking about? I'll say, again, that's not the answer to my question. So remember I start at A, which is, do we have agreement that I'm a man? I'm not going to B, which is something else and C, which is something else altogether. I'm staying in A. So look, again, that's not the answer to my question. I'm going to ask you a third and final time. If you don't answer, I'll answer for you. Do we have agreement that I'm a man? I mean, am I, am I a woman? Am I a banana? Am I a tree or am I a man? <laughs> answer the question. It's a yes or no. It's not a difficult answer. Yes or no. What is it? And then they'll go, oh, I guess so. Great. We've got agreement. I'm a man. Thank you. Jeez, that wasn't that difficult. <laughs> you know? So uh, if people say no, what happens then? Well, now they're making a claim, right? They're saying, no, you're not a man. So I'll say, really? Do you have some evidence for that? They've made a claim they have to back it up. Am I a person? Is that what you're saying? Do you have some evidence for that? The legal definition of a person is, a, is an entity, a, a trustee in bankruptcy, a driver, a ratepayer, a citizen, a resident. Those are all statutory terms. They're all, they're all entities. So I say, really? You have some evidence for that? I'm a driver or I'm a citizen. You have some evidence for that? They're all claims. They're claiming you're an entity. So when somebody makes a claim, ask for evidence. Make them back it up. People incriminate themselves all the time and nobody, nobody uh, holds them accountable. So that's essentially how that works. That's setting somebody else up to make a claim or support you to provide evidence that you are what you want to be. And uh, also holding position, which is when somebody tries to move away from what you've brought up, you bring them back to it every time. Okay. I, a few things came up. Um, Are you good on time, Tom? Just so we, um, what time? Yeah, do you about have? another 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, do you feel like we're moving into the age of accountability? Yes, 100%. I'm like, I have a big feeling about that too. It just really feels very evident that we've gone too long with just kind of letting things too loose. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Um, and the other thing, I guess, I guess I have to make the joke, but when you're saying, um, do you agree that I'm a man? And do you feel like they're making gender so confused to where? Yeah. People would be like, okay. oh, I don't know. I mean, am I a man? Am I a woman? The other day, my friend said that a person was at the park, topless, and the cops came and said, you cannot be naked here or, you know, you cannot you know, show your breasts. And the person says, well, I identify as a man. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. That would be <laughs> the time I actually would like to claim that. <laughs> Making the joke, but I, it just, as you were speaking, I was just kind of going, oh, wait, there is a big confusion going on on purpose. And I knew that, but just more, it got more clear and more evident about if people don't know who they are, right? And at the physical level, I'm not even talking about the deeper level that we always talk about, but how confusing it is to navigate the world. It is. It's a massive psyop, the whole, all the multiple gender things, because it's taking people, not only from a legal standpoint, a, a, a right standpoint, only a man or a woman has rights. Persons or anything that is not a, a man or woman has benefits and privileges. In the private, the world of the substance, we have rights. In the fiction, in the public, we only have benefits and privileges, which can be taken away like a slave. A slave has benefits and privileges. A free man or woman has rights. Rights are far superior to benefits and privileges. So if we identify as anything other than a man or a woman, essentially we're giving away our rights. But then on a higher level, we are confused. We don't know who we are, as you just rightly said. So on many levels, it's taking people out of their essential self, their essential nature, but then from uh, you know, a lawful point of view, also giving up rights and just accepting benefits and privileges, which is from the state, which makes you a ward of the state. So then when the state comes around and says, well, we're just going to tie you up and jab you or we're going to lock you away and we're going to do this. Well, if you're a ward of the state, you've given them that authority over you. You can't give them that authority. Nobody has any authority over us except that which we give them. So don't give people authority. They have no man or woman or corporation has authority over another man or woman. But if you're anything other than that, well, you may inadvertently give up your, you know, your beingness to another entity. Mm. 
It's also really quickly boundaries as well. That that means establishing boundaries. Like how many people are taken advantage of by by other people because they don't set firm boundaries. And energetically, two people have a lot of entities take on because they don't have boundaries. Those boundaries are extremely important. And that, is, again, is just uh, man-made stuff paralleling natural law. You have to have boundaries. That's where I felt the consent is presumed unless denied. It was more of an energetic for me that I was like, oh, coming from the new ageism of, you know, oh, this and very, like moral um, relative and I'm not into moral relativism anymore. And so when I read that, I, my whole being was like, yes. So this boundary of reclaiming who you are, where you are and what's yours and not anybody else's. It was a big um Big coming home for me personally, an embodiment of that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, Tom, I know we're wrapping up here, but where would you send people who are like, oh my God, yes, where do I find out more? And what what are your resources that you like to point people to? So I, well, there's various ones. I'll just say to people that make sure whoever's teaching has experiential evidence where they've, there, it's not just sounds good, like, oh, the, you just pull out this law and it just takes care of everything or you just give away your birth certificate or you just do this. Make sure they've done it for real and you can see the result. So uh, I think I'll just rattle off some names or some places you can get information from. One is In Power Movement in the States. That's Cal Washington's um, group. Here are all good things about them. There's In Canada, there's... Uh, Amanda Volmer is great. She's actually a natural therapist as well. And Amanda has, uh, she's got a website called Yummy Doctor. And then she's also got Yum Naturals, which is her, um, I think it's her website or her Instagram or something. She's great. She's really switched on, both in health and in, um, in the legal side of things. There's also a Warrior Calls, which is Christopher James. That's Canadian. Uh, in America, you've also got Anna Von Reicht. That's how you pronounce it. She's like, she goes by Judge Anna. Um, as well as Cal Washington's Empower Movement. In Australia, you've got Know Your Rights Group and Solutions Empowerment. They're both, I think, two of the bigger ones in Australia. UK, I'm not sure about, um, but UK is pretty similar to Australia and everything anyway. So, uh, And then I've been doing several workshops recently, which we've recorded them all. I just need to edit them all down, and then that'll be on my website as a package that people can get with transcripts and uh, audio and video as well. So it'll just go through, you know, the basics. And all I teach, by the way, is communication. I only teach how to nut out this whole communication thing because I feel that it's really, it can be really dangerous to teach people more than that because even with the basics, if you don't get it down right, you can get yourself into more trouble than it's like, you know, you go and learn two lessons of kickboxing and you're like, oh, I can like, and then you go and get yourself beaten up because you just, <laughs> if you didn't know any of it before, you would have avoided a confrontation, but you think that you know some stuff and you get into a confrontation and quickly realize you don't know enough. And that's what it's like when you start to learn your rights. So it's not something I recommend people rush into. It's why I cover it very comprehensively as far as what to do, um, how to speak and how to get your start moving forward in it, but how to also then back out if necessary and how to make sure no harm will come to you. But I don't teach people how to get rid of debt or not pay tax or, um, you know, other people do that sort of stuff. But I just think that I would feel not right in my morality if I were teaching people things that maybe I've done, but they can't replicate because there might be something subtle that they miss and then all of a sudden they're in trouble. So I don't, I don't teach that, but other people do. Nice. And that um, will, will, people will be able to find that on your website, which is tombarnett.tv, correct? Yeah. Yeah. It'll be up in a couple of weeks, I think. So if the best way to find out about it is to go on my mailing list, which is if you go to the contact slash mailing list um, part of the website, yeah. uh, then you can sign up for the mailing list and also my telegram, which is tombarnett.tv. But if you find that, find my channel that has subscribers. I've, I'm on there twice. One's just my personal telegram, which I never use. And then the other is the channel. Make sure it's the channel you subscribe to. And then Instagram, tombarnett.tv. And yeah, that's where I'll announce when that's up. Available. 
Awesome. 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 Yes. I, I love following your Instagram and looking at your stories. It's good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Some of them are funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're not mine. I just share other people's. Well, yeah. Stuff. Yeah. No, that's great. You gotta, we got to laugh. We got to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, Tom. We really, really thank appreciate you, thank you. being on. Yeah. It's been amazing. Thank you for always bringing it. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. Lovely to be with you guys. Yeah, we'll see you. We'll see you soon. <laughs> yeah, do another one. <laughs> yeah. Woo! <laughs> Bye, Tom. <laughs> Bye.